What's up, what's up? Hello, I'm Brandon David. This is Investing in Cannabis. This is the show where we talk about, what else? Cannabis. We talk about early stage founders, sometimes a little later stage founders, sometimes people doing really awesome things, some people just getting started. We talk to investors, what they're looking for in the industry, what do they want to see built in the world, what are they writing checks for. If you're a fan of the show, if you watch the show, we talk about all the different ways you can you can consume cannabis, right? There's the oils, there's the waxes, there's the traditional flowers, which most people have the stereotype in their head of, oh, I'm going to roll a joint and smoke flowers. But I just read a crazy fact that more than 50% of cannabis, legal cannabis purchased, is non-smokable. Let me, let me say this again. This is crazy. I'm a decade-long smoker. I love flowers. I'm even a little reluctant to even get into the vape pens of the world. More than 50% of products, cannabis products purchased legally, are non-smokable. That means they were edibles, they were chocolate, they were liquids, they were gums, you know, whatever, many, many different ways that you can consume cannabis. And today we have Trip Heber, who's CEO of Dixie Brands, really like the godfather of this edible shit, right? Which is awesome. What's up, Chip? Thanks for being here, man. Brandon, good afternoon. We in the uh, business call it the infused product sector. Excuse me. That's excuse all right. me. That's yeah. All right. That is the overarching category. Yes. Yeah. It's an infused honor. Infused really. product. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having us today. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you for being here. You've been everywhere, so we are honored to have you here today. Uh, first question for you is, why don't people want to smoke their weed anymore? Well, it's interesting. It's a, it's a fascinating phenomenon. I think you're exactly right. I mean, the statistics show... Uh, in the state of Colorado last year, uh, over 45% of a $700 million industry, according to the Department of Revenue, was captured by the infused product sector. If you look back at 2010, when I founded uh, our company, Dixie Liches and Edibles, it was probably 5%, maybe 8% of a $60, $70 million industry. So we're dealing with hyper growth. And I would suggest in, in Colorado this year alone, which we're going to get close to a, about a billion dollars in in sales as an industry, we'll, we'll certainly hit that tipping point. So more than 50%, as you point out, Brandon, will be uh, consumed through the infused product sector. So a really exciting time for us as a company. And why do you think that's so appealing to people? To... Well, I mean, to answer your question succinctly, I think that people understand that smoking anything, even if it's perceived as medicine, uh, understand that that can be dangerous. Uh, and so certainly if you're talking about medical cannabis, like here we have in the state of California, how can you ask a patient that is suffering from uh, say lung cancer to uh, uh, embrace cannabis as a medicinal product uh, through maybe a, you know, a marijuana cigarette. So it's really not sustainable in my opinion. But then you look at a, a state like Colorado, which is a very active, healthy lifestyle community. And uh, I think you've got a, a great recipe for opportunity when you're in the infused product sector. Yeah. And when did you kind of have this like ding light bulb moment of like, hey, we could create a company of infused products and take advantage of this trend? Well, it's ironic because I was really working for the evil empire. I was in the uh, alcohol distribution business. Okay. I owned bars and nightclubs, and, and it was very consistent in 2008, 2009, uh, where people were consuming cannabis outside of the clubs uh, the year that I frequented or owned. And uh, it's been widely reported, but I had that epiphanal moment when I asked uh, uh, an active law enforcement officer who was out of moonlighting uh, for one of our clubs to encourage people who were smoking cannabis outside of my nightclub to get back into the club. Generally, it's widely known that people who embrace marijuana generally drink alcohol less, which I think is a overall positive thing. Mm -hmm. 
And I was informed in that very moment that we had legalized medical marijuana uh, and really the Cole Memorandum was, was accelerating that. And from that point forward, I went into a really a deep uh, dive on, on really understanding the competitive landscape and ultimately ended up with Dixie. And what was that competitive landscape then? Uh, well, it wasn't very deep. I would yeah. suggest it was broad. Uh, you know, uh, there was three things uh, that I knew. Number one, I didn't have the professional expertise to cultivate this powerful plant. I mean, it is called weed for a reason, maybe because it grows like that. But to grow good quality cannabis, Brandon, I think it takes an incredible skill set and candidly one that I did not possess. Um, secondly, uh, you know, how do you market to a demographic that is that of a 23-year-old lift operator, maybe mm -hmm. uh, in Breckenridge, Colorado, mm -hmm. who's maybe wearing his hat on sideways and has chronic pain, which represented about 75% of the qualifying conditions under the medical marijuana registry in Colorado, mm -hmm. to that of a, a 70-year-old grandmother, right, who's truly suffering from glycoma. I just didn't have the, again, the professional expertise to really market to that demographic. And so ultimately, we determined that it was probably best suited to create a product that would allow us to medicate the masses. And that's ultimately how Dixie Elixir, the, the media like to refer to as a pot soda, mm -hmm. which still to this day drives me nuts, mm -hmm. uh, but it did give us our start. And you know, today we have- Why does that drive you so crazy? Well, I, first of all, I don't use the term pot. I mean, uh, maybe in, I. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think cannabis, we have to pay incredible respect to this powerful plant, cannabis sativa, um, uh, but marijuana or cannabis, in my humble opinion, I was taught by uh, some instrumental people in this industry. Just recently, I was this morning at Harborside Health, who. I will give a tremendous amount of credit to both Andrew and Steve for really helping me understand because uh, I didn't have a very strong relationship with marijuana, if you will. And uh, today, like our own president, I understand that marijuana is less harmful than alcohol. I'm mm -hmm. trying to embrace more marijuana and less alcohol. I'm 47 mm -hmm. years old. I'm not as sprightly as I used to be. But, you know, listen, there's a massive opportunity, whether it be medical marijuana like you have here in the state of California mm -hmm. or uh, now five states, including the District of Columbia, that offer recreational, what we call adult use. Yep. It's a big, big opportunity. And what was your experience with cannabis when you're kind of having this epiphany? I mean, uh, uh, little to none, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and I say that sheepishly. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to admit that, you know, I did not get into this business, Brandon, initially to, to really help people. And I'm embarrassed by that because I just didn't have a, a broad knowledge of how powerful this plant was. But literally in less than six months, I really understood uh, through feedback, literally calls, uh, texts, emails from people saying, at bare minimum, thank you for creating the level of wellness that we couldn't necessarily achieve through alcohol or opiates or tobacco products, um, uh, including, you know, curing from A to Z and illness, uh, all the way up to, listen, you know, your products have subsequently saved my life. I can't make those statements, Brandon. I'm not a medical doctor, but we're hearing that more and more these days. Our own Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who has a, quite a broad audience, who I would argue has done as much for marijuana reform as anybody in the last yeah, four years. Yeah, those two specials are so compelling. Yeah, yeah. yeah he has a third one that, that has uh, recently uh, aired, which is all about oh, the third one. PTSD. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay, cool. so we're really seeing uh, that pay massive benefit to society, in our humble opinion. Got it. But you got into it for the money. I did. I did initially, and boy, yeah. was I wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of uh, people who are investing in the marijuana space initially think that it's uh, that it's the green rush and uh, that we're going to get rich overnight. I mean, you know, the wheels of cannabis turn very, very slow, Brandon. Uh, but uh, when that gear kicks in, like we're going to see here in the state of California, it's incredibly exciting. I think Dixie Brands is going to be well positioned to take full advantage of that. And so I think you're starting to see companies, many, many companies that are well deserving of it, really starting to prosper and or, and or profit. Got it. Yeah, it makes sense. So you're in California now or limited in California? No, we're fully operational. Uh, we launched 
our brand, Dixie Brands, uh, and the various brands associated under the parent company with a spectacular partner, Indus Holdings. They own their own brand called Altai, mm -hmm. uh, which is a Chinese princess that was discovered with cannabis dating back about 3,000 years. Cool. So they got a neat, neat story. Mm -hmm. uh, tonight we're hosting a fabulous bud tender event in the city of San Francisco, so oh. I'm honored to be here. Oh. But we've built a beautiful, beautiful manufacturing facility in uh, um, just uh, north of uh, Monterey, uh, so just south of the city, and it's really committed to GMP, good manufacturing processes. So we, that all we've learned in the state of Colorado through having a completely regulatory environment, a framework really to embrace, we're bringing to California alongside many other solid manufacturers, and I think all of that's going to be beneficial to the end user, whether you be a medical marijuana patient today or potentially an adult use consumer uh, as early as next year. And what are some of the issues in expanding in California, you know, specifically in, in this state? Well, up until last Friday, the biggest issue was that there was no regulatory framework. Mm -hmm. And I believe that our, uh, excuse me, your governor is going to sign the bills into law as early as this Friday. Incredibly exciting. Mm -hmm. um, that will be a watershed moment. You've got 34 plus million people in the state of California. That is the proverbial Glen, Gary Glenn Ross leads, if you're familiar with that film. Yeah, I am. And so we're really excited about what that means uh, for us as a manufacturer, but also, candidly, for what it represents for the state, uh, because the state is going to generate hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars this year alone in the state of Colorado. We're likely to realize over just under $100 million. Last year, we did about $76 million as a uh, as a state, if you will. Uh, again, direct to the coffers. I mean, marijuana exists on every street corner in America. Yep. And rarely has it been taxed, uh, certainly not for the last 80 plus years. So really excited, excuse me, what that means for And, and in economy. Colorado, that's not accounting for the saved money on not enforcing illegal marijuana, right? I mean, has anyone tried to quantify that? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a Harvard uh, economist, he's a macroeconomist, Jeffrey, uh, I'm drawing a blank, Jeffrey Myram, M-I-R-A-M, uh, that has done some amazing studies. I think the state of California spent well in excess of a couple of billion dollars on the federal interdiction of marijuana. Marijuana alone, and so uh, all that savings that we potentially can put towards the bottom line, all the while um, attributing real tax dollars. And then you know, think of the socioeconomic costs about incarcerating uh, predominantly uh, disproportionate men of color, Hispanics and African Americans, in these state-run uh, prisons, federal prisons even, uh, for the nonviolent drug offense of possession. And so, uh, we're really excited as to what that means, you know, as an industry and ultimately for a state's economy and potentially a nation's economy. I think we're starting to see a real tipping point, if you will. Got it. So you just opened up this factory in Monterey. Is it open yeah. or it's about to be open? Fully operational. Fully operational. Fully operational. Congratulations. We visited many dispensaries, including Harborside Health and its distributor of products. Uh, we were laughing, Andrew um, D'Angelo and I, as a general manager of Harborside. I mean, we literally have been working towards this for uh, almost four years, mm. and as I said, those wheels of cannabis turn real, real slow, but if you have that stick to if you will, uh, and you're really committed to the, the cause, if you will, the movement, you can get things done, and uh, we're a little bit uh, more than a year ahead of schedule with respect to our pro forma and coming to California. We believe supremely uh, that marijuana is going to be legalized for adult use, and so we wanted to be here in advance of that. Really. In 2016? Yes, sir. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So take me through all the products that are going to be manufactured in that beautiful new facility. Well, behind us, we have one of our flagship products, which is the, uh, the Dixie Mints. We have both the Relaxing and the Awakening Mints. These are products that are predominantly low dose, and so low milligrams, five milligrams, if you will, um, uh, with a 
uh, innovative delivery system. Uh, Mint is something that's very socially acceptable, Brandon, as we both uh, will admit. And uh, placing the buckle, uh, if you will, seems about a place you may be chewing tobacco. It takes advantage of your oral mucosa, your mouth. So you do have to like tuck it in your in your gum, though. Correct. Yeah, the key is not to swallow it, is not to chew it, because it. Uh, that would dilute the process, if you will. And so uh, it does not go through the digestive system, but your oral mucosa allows you to absorb that powerful medicine goes direct to the brain, uh, primarily providing the desired effect, which is euphoria. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's similar to a glass of wine or maybe a couple of beers will provide the desired effect, which is anti-stress, alleviating anxiety. Just You just want to escape the day's issues. And so um, I'm incredibly excited about what that powerful, innovative delivery system represents. And I think it's going to represent a huge, huge opportunity, not only for Dixie Branch, but more importantly, our affiliate partner here in this holdings. Yep. And a, and a five milligram uh, mint, how does that relate to the potency of smoking, you know, a bowl, right? Or smoking flowers? Yeah, well, it's, uh, to be incredibly uh, clear, it's, it's dramatically different because the, uh, the onset is much longer. And so in the state of Colorado, and I think now you're starting to see it in California, we have these consumer education programs, uh, go low, go slow, uh, first time five. What we do not want you to have as a manufacturer or even as a retailer is what we call the mooring doubt effect, right? Where you're curled up in the fetal position sure. floor of your hotel room. Sure. Uh, because when you're experiencing that type of euphoria, that psychoactiveness, it can be incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. I, mean, I think many people suggest they feel like they're going to die. Right. I can assure you, very, very unlikely to happen. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, the equivalent of probably easier to assimilate to that of a, a glass, glass and a half of, of wine or maybe uh, two beers at normal uh, alcohol percentage. And so it's a very predictable experience. And if you need to add more uh, to experience a higher level of euphoria, then it's much easier than trying to take away from that process. And so Dixie, I think, has really been a leader in that category, certainly with the launch of Dixie One, which is our category, if you will, that's single product, single dose, mm. uh, really taking advantage of that go low, go slow, or first time yeah. five, five milligrams. Yeah. In the state of Colorado, 10 milligrams is considered one dose. Yeah. I, I, I love that whole uh, Dixie One that you're talking about because it's something that I, I, uh, I'm so familiar with. Everybody tells me, oh, I've had bad experiences with cannabis, right? Mm -hmm. And what I say to them is, well, you probably had too much, right? <laughs> your friend or your cousin or whatever put this huge joint in front of your face and uh, you, you took too many hits and now you're really high and now you never want to try again, right? And that's sort of unfortunate because if somebody drank half a bottle of vodka in their first alcohol experience, they'd probably have a bad experience too, right? I mean, yeah, I've done both. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, not in recent, uh, although, you know, I'm a perfect example when I consume too much cannabis, I have a tendency to get weird. And so all things in moderation, uh, Brandon, and uh, whether it be alcohol or tobacco or certainly cannabis, we as manufacturers have a fiduciary responsibility to that of the consumer to really educate them because, you know, there's uh, ironically hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people in the state of California that choose not to embrace marijuana because it's illegal mm. uh, to do so as an adult. Now our state, your state, excuse me, has the unique opportunity to change the mindset. And so uh, this is going to be all fresh opportunity or greenfields. And so we have to be very, very careful, meticulous in our consumer education programs, which uh, Dixie will play a pivotal role in that alongside hundreds, if not thousands of other retailers in the state, making sure that people embrace marijuana responsibly. Yep, totally. So there's two types here, right? Yep. There's relaxing and awakening. Mm -hmm. Is this correlate to indica sativa or what, yes. what's the relationship? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're not necessarily strain specific, but... Uh, if you will, uh, species or genus specific, we're certainly taking advantage 
Uh, and then, of course, as a manufacturer, we have proprietary strains that we uh, leverage in each of these respective markets. Uh, but this is just one of about 16 delivery systems, what we call innovative delivery systems, product lines representing in excess in totality about 150 SKUs. Now, a lot of those products, if you will, are are flavor specific or dose specific and some are even seasonal mm. uh, but as when we get into the holidays we'll bring some very interesting products under that dixie one brand um, taking advantage of the fall uh, colors and and certainly the holiday flavors and so we're really excited to bring those uh, products to bear alongside yeah. indus very cool take me through the the product line a little bit not not all the SKUs, just mm -hmm. kind of the general categories that you yeah well of course i mean the flagship product is that of the elixir right. which represents uh uh, about 50% of our revenue in the state of Colorado. So we're super, super anxious to bring it. 50%? 50%, wow. yeah. Represented probably about 18 to 22 SKUs, depending upon where we are in seasons. I mean, we have an amazing wild berry lemonade that is a great summer uh, flavor. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know, again, various SKUs. We have 90, uh, 40, and uh, 5 milligram. Again, the Dixie One. Actually, the 5 milligram has been upgraded now in the state of Colorado. 10 milligrams, and that's what we'll bring out in California as well. Uh, this is a highly sophisticated delivery system using carbonation uh, as really the delivery system that pumps that. So it has to be carbonated. Uh, for our products, they are, uh, because that gas, if you will, that CO2 will pump that medicine into your bloodstream quicker, and that activation, if you will, will be sooner. Again, the biggest issue with infused products, edibles in particular, is that people don't have the patience, right? And yeah. so they have a tendency to over-consume, if you will, and then that Right, they take a bite of a brownie, yeah. and they say, I don't feel anything, and then yeah. they eat the whole thing, and then they yeah. regret it. Unlike right. when you uh, smoke a marijuana cigarette, if you will, and pull off of a, a bong or a it's vaporizer, it's, yeah. it's almost immediate yeah. because it's being decarboxylized at that very moment. I'm not a scientist, so I won't get into that, but I thought uh, one of your previous guests, uh, Steve Hill, did an excellent job explaining infused products. He did. Uh, I appreciated that. Uh, and so, you know, I think we're seeing uh, consumers, as you pointed out, 50%. Are now infusing, excuse me, ingesting products or applying them, if you will, uh, are, are is really an indication. And so we, as a manufacturer, in addition to the elixirs, have a full line of edibles, which would include chocolates. Um, we're very careful not to make products that are hyper attractive to children, like colorful gummy bears or or worms or you know jelly beans, if you will. I mean, we're hypersensitive to that, and we certainly are honoring the request of our governor in the state of Colorado. And I think you'll see the same here in. California to be um, hypervigilant in making sure that these delivery systems and the products are not designed to be attractive to children. Um, but we do have a chocolate truffle uh, that is uh, very, very, uh, the flavor profiles I would put up against the Godiva chocolate. It's uh, really a, a luxury consumer packaged good, Brendan, that you might find in that of a Neiman Marcus someday in the not too distant future. Mm. So we're really excited about and, what and that means. How did you learn how to make premium chocolate? <laughs> well, clearly it was not me. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, we started off as low-tech as a, a crispy rice treat. I mean, ironically, it was one of our best sellers, and the margins on that product were insane. Uh, this is a 100-milligram milli product that we literally couldn't keep on the shelves. But, you know, I became acutely aware that we had a responsibility as, as manufacturers, and certainly in some circles considered to be a leader, that, you know, it seemed cliche. I mean, you know, I don't... I uh, want to detract from those that make a pot brownie per se, but it's something I've chosen never to do because I really want to elevate this plant, if you will. If you will. I, want to, I want to elevate you know, to that of the soccer mom that maybe is watching in Ohio that has the unique opportunity to really go from complete cannabis prohibition to that of complete legalization, really for adult mm -hmm. use. I mean, uh, 
jury's out as to whether that will happen, that there are responsible manufacturers, there's journalists like yourself, Brandon, that are very serious about this industry that is growing exponentially, literally doubling if not tripling on an annual basis. And so, um, you know, I, I, I felt very strongly. And so rather than uh, do a pot brownie, I mean, I manufacture a chocolate truffle. I mean, I don't know if how defensible that position is, but there's a tremendous amount of care, if you will, quality assurance, quality control, compliance. Uh, the packaging alone, in some cases, can be more expensive than the physical product itself. Mm. Uh, but we really operate at the pleasure of the states in which we're manufacturing, and so we have to be highly acutely responsible. Yeah, talk about the packaging a little bit, because you've taken a lot of time to make sure that that's good, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 an intense subject. I mean, uh, I literally have flushed hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of packaging down the proverbial toilet. As I mentioned earlier, Brandon, the only thing that is consistent in this business is change and packaging has been a real flashpoint. It's just uh, February 1st, I had to completely redesign my Elixir platform, which is a beautiful 8.5 ounce brushed aluminum bottle, um, really considered a high-end consumer package good. Yeah. But um, as of February 1st of 2015, I had to have a product that was ASTM, which is a federal certification for child-resistant, tamper-proof, resealable. Oh, and by the way, it had to offer a 10 milligram dosing cup. Um, arrogantly, I just assumed that this product existed somewhere on the planet, and so for six plus weeks, I, I scoured the globe looking for this this packaging platform, and I realized uh, um, very quickly, uh, although six weeks later, which in this case, time is money, that it didn't exist, and so I had to literally enter into a partnership um, uh, with a packaging company and design this product ourselves, and so to the tune of about $300,000 is not uh, something that I had forecast as sure. you will. And so, yeah. uh, but packaging at the end of the day is incredibly important. We have to protect our most valuable asset, which is that of the child, mm -hmm. uh, in some cases, maybe even adults. Uh, and allowing them that dosing cup really helps you understand if this is a measured result. And so pouring 10 milligrams will give you one dose and you're not likely you're going to experience an uncomfortable high. I see. And that's taking the place of the cap? Is that that's how correct. you've done yeah. that? Or? Yeah, absolutely. So what was you know, a resealable cap that, you know, sort of a, a bottle cap, if you will, now is, is a dosing cup that you would find on maybe a cough syrup. Again, the packaging platform, I think, is far more sophisticated than that of a cough syrup. Again, it still looks like that high-end consumer package good, but um, these are incredibly complicated platforms. More importantly, you really have to have the intellectual horsepower, uh, and I'll credit a majority of my team, specifically our marketing team, for really, pardon me, understanding the rules, uh, if you will, the regulations, which can be cryptic at best on occasion. Sure. Uh, more importantly, we do not have crystal balls. Uh, and again, we know that there's a change around the next corner, and so we want to be prepared for that because those changes would be incredibly expensive. But like many other manufacturers, when you stand, we understand the importance of, you know, uh, or the reality that we operate at the pleasure of the state in which we manufacture. And so embrace it or potentially go away. Got it. So in the infused space, and, and particularly in elixirs, you're really like the 800-pound gorilla, right? I mean, you're you're everywhere, particularly in Colorado, I, I would assume. When those regulations come out, do you think a little bit to yourself, like, am I being targeted here? <laughs> oh, in no way. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Dixie uh, Brands has had a seat at the table really since day one. I mean, um, I'll use Colorado again as an example since I have, you know, five-plus years of experience, but even more recently in California. I mean, we really have... A voice alongside dozens if not hundreds of other 
players. Um, you know, in the state of Colorado, it's clearly a seek first to understand, then be understood model. And so the Department of Revenue's Marijuana Enforcement Division will literally reach out to I as a manufacturer and say, what do you think about this rule that we contemplate? And in many cases say, well, fundamentally, I don't think it's a good idea because it's going to cost me X, Y, and Z. But theoretically, it's probably important that we embrace it because it's going to provide, you know, safer product manufacturing and making sure that we keep it out of the hands of children. And so generally, we grin and bear it. But in, along the way, literally since day one, specifically in Colorado, when the Marijuana Enforcement Division was created, I think they have a very, very positive attitude. And Dixie, alongside many other very capable and productive brands, has a voice. And so um, it's a collaborative effort. I think you're going to see that in real time in California over the next 12 yeah. to probably 24 months. And after you you know, spend all this money on the new packaging, get new partners and everything, do, do they give you any assurance that this is going <laughs> to stay for a little while at least? Uh, definitely not. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, we're about to eliminate, I believe, humbly. So the elixirs category has always been a carve out. And so um, instead of having a min maximum of 10 milligrams, you can provide a dosing cup. And so you can add it up to 100 milligrams, okay. which is the adult use rec um, maximum. Uh, but candidly, I, I believe that's going to go away. Now, the reality is, is that they'll give us some grace period, probably no less than six months, no more than 12 months um, to burn through that inventory. When you're making, you know, five to 8,000 elixirs a day in a manufacturing facility, uh, you want to make sure that that product is monetized and so five to eight thousand individual bottles of elixir a day that's sure i mean we have the capability i mean as we implement uh, what we call that gmp that good manufacturing process i mean we're really at this point we're uh you know uh, um, a commercial manufacturer yeah. i mean we used to think of ourselves brandon as a, a kitchen if you will a commercial yeah. kitchen and that mindset just will not work i mean on any given day last year we had a half a million dollar backlog we just wow. we had no idea that the the, the voracious appetite for the uh, cannabis that the adult use consumers yeah. have. And, and candidly, haven't gotten away. Uh, so mm -hmm. marijuana tourism in the state of Colorado is, massive, is intense. Yeah. It's massive. Yeah. And I think you're going to see that in states like California and probably even more so in, in Nevada. Everybody wants to come to California anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> I'm ready to embrace marijuana. I'm just not a medical marijuana patient. I might have to wait until I get back to Colorado. And Nevada, I read, they're doing something very interesting with their medical. Mm -hmm. Is If you are a patient in another state, they will uh, honor your recommendation in Las Vegas. That's correct. Full, well, in the whole state of uh, uh, in Nevada, Nevada, I believe. Yeah, yeah most people think of it as the state of uh, Las Vegas. <laughs> but that's correct. 100% uh, full reciprocal relationships. Um, I mean, incredibly smart. Yeah, of that right. I just read that the country of Jamaica is going to be doing the same thing. And so I think about 2.6 million uh, tourists a year visit um, uh, the country of Jamaica, and over a million of those are Americans, uh, U.S. citizens. So, yeah, I think it's a boon for uh, anybody that is willing to be open and progressive in their thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and I think California uh, has the unique opportunity to do so as we consider uh, the true legalization or really the end of marijuana prohibition as we've known for you know, 80 plus years. Totally. Well said. Well said. So you have uh, the elixir, obviously, you said 50% of mm -hmm. your revenue. You talked about the troubles. What are some other best sellers? It's interesting. Uh, you know, so many people associate adult use cannabis with that of, you know, getting high, right? Uh, the fact of the matter is, is our single most popular skew is that of the Synergy Tincture, which is a sublingual a liquid that you would place under the tongue, absorbed again through your oral mucosa. Um, and it's a one-to-one -one ratio. So CBD, obviously, uh, being uh, one cannabinoid, and then THC being the other, um, 
CBD has no euphoria associated with it. Now we have what was called the entourage effect. And so when you uh, place these two cannabinoids in the same platform, uh, the effect can be accelerated. But um, it's incredibly fascinating to see that people are uh, consuming this in mass quantities. And so I, as a manufacturer, that's really an indication, Brandon, that people are using cannabis uh, for adult use reasons for wellness. And, and so... Responsibly. Responsibly, yep. yeah. And so I think that's a strong indication. Um, also, we have a very, very strong topicals platform. And we have um, pain salves, we have balms, we have body lotions, we have a bath soap, if you will. These are all products that provide zero euphoria. Mm. And so really allowing a consumer or a medical marijuana patient to really embrace the benefits, whether they've been medicinal or adult use um, from this powerful plant. And so I think that's a really indication about how people in general are willing to use marijuana responsibly and to their benefit. And I think that's exciting as we continue to explore other platforms. So the people that are buying CBD bath bombs, mm -hmm. how much of that is a novelty that it's cannabis versus this is really helping me? Well, uh, let me tell you, uh, I'll take another product, which uh, one of your producers mentioned earlier. I mean, we uh, recently started manufacturing a, a THC-infused personal lubricant, a brand that is known for you. It's been widely uh, covered uh, by social media and, yep. and mainstream journalism. I mean, um, we pre-sold six figures uh, in the first day. Uh, and uh, again, I think uh, this is a product that is designed to enhance a woman's sexuality. Um, and I think there's probably some subset of the consumer base that is purchasing it as a novelty, but um, people are coming back and uh, uh, retailers are buying second and third tranches. And so I think that's a prime indication. Uh, listen, marijuana tourism, technically you're not supposed to leave the state with this product. So maybe they're purchasing it for a weekend. I would suggest probably that there is product leaving the state whether it be illegal uh, or legal, I'm not going to comment on. I mean, technically it is illegal. There's no out-of-state diversion. But um, these platforms, I think people are really understanding, are offering uh, you uh, an option instead of embracing alcohol or, God forbid, opiates, which clearly are the scourge of our society today, yes. um, uh, all the way up to including, hey, um, it's a product that works, even if I'm going to use it temporarily. Um, you know, I think that's a, it's a, good a good option, I should say. And so, um, like anything, you know, when you go to Denver, Colorado, experience Oktoberfest, I'm not a huge beer drinker, but that weekend I drink beer. Uh, and so I think when people come to Colorado. When in Rome. Yeah, when yeah. in Rome. Great yeah. reference. Yeah, great reference. Yep, yep. So I'm just stuck on the lubricant still. <laughs> like, without being too graphic, can you tell us, like, what kind of benefit would a CBD lubricant do? <laughs> well, this is clearly a THC lubricant, oh, uh, leveraging yeah. uh, coconut oil as its a delivery system. But, uh, um, and again, it's uh, designed primarily to enhance a woman's uh, uh, sexuality. Bummer. I'm not a sexual therapist, but I generally understand the concept of how uh, this product is applied to... Okay. Uh, uh, the female genitalia, after a period of 25 to 35 minutes, it is absorbed uh, transdermally, and, and then uh, the, the product goes to work. I think we all can agree that cannabis um, is already maybe considered an aphrodisiac yes. uh, for many. Yeah. Uh, on the cover of this magazine, it says sex and sativa. Oh, yeah. By the way, you're on this magazine. Oh, I well, didn't I was... hold this up. <laughs> MG Magazine. <laughs> But, uh, you're, I mean, you're fucking famous, man, right? That's what we're doing here. I've had my uh, fair share of the 15 minutes. I'm, I'm happy. Really, I really consider this. This is a magazine dedicated to the 
cannabis professional, it's truly an honor uh, to be on the cover of it. But really, um, it's meant to represent uh, the 70 plus team members that I have with Dixie Brands and then across my other you know, two dozen companies that I have an interest in really representing the new breed of cannabis entrepreneur, both men and women, um, that are really accelerating this industry at a, at a hyper speed. And so um, that's great. It'll probably go in my wall. I think both my mother and father to get it framed. Uh, wanted copies. Uh, well, it probably is already. <laughs> I'm <laughs> but, sure it is. Yeah. Um, you know, again, uh, certainly I don't take myself too seriously, but uh, it is. It's representative of the hundreds of thousands of people across the country and candidly across the globe that are trying to bring cannabis into mainstream right. media, mainstream um, society. Uh, the social benefit that I think that we can see that we truly cannot measure today, Brandon, is I think beyond calculation. I mean, when you think about what alcohol does to our society, I think it's mm. close to $15 billion, five zero billion billion in um, cost, if you will, uh, you know, alcoholism, disease, uh, illness, um, and marijuana really has a unique opportunity to replace that. And so I think... I 100% agree. I mean, no one's ever smoked a joint and beat their wife, right? That is correct. That just doesn't happen. We hear that literally time and time again. Our facility, which is our primary facility, which is in Denver, Colorado, but more recently uh, in NorCal, we're hosting literally dozens of law enforcement officers a month. Uh, and they all say the exact same mm. thing. Many are being, becoming much more progressive. Um, most uh, law enforcement officers are dealing with some form of PTSD. They understand that alcohol and opiates are not an acceptable long-term solution, a platform. And so they're being thoughtful and they're potentially exploring the relationship with cannabis. And uh, I think, again, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, but more importantly, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of vet and, uh, vets, uh, U.S. soldiers, men and women, uh, are exploring this platform as well. And so I think it's incredibly exciting what that means for, for these people that have made the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, so cannabis clearly safer than alcohol and many of the other legal or illegal drugs out mm -hmm. there. The, the one caveat to that is though, uh, there's still this sort of acceptance of smoking and driving, mm -hmm. which I, I know that primarily uh, it's because we have a lack of way to test for it in the moment, right? Yeah. There's no breathalyzer for cannabis. Uh, but how do we start to solve that? Yeah, I mean, is that coming? Is that... Yeah, I think uh, there are companies that are uh, bringing platforms where they can do a saliva test and they can determine whether you've actually uh, ingested or smoked uh, marijuana within a certain period of time. I mean, because ultimately, uh, the ultimate is to take blood, and that's not likely going to happen roadside. So you have what in Colorado we call DREs, which are drug, pardon me, drug recognition experts that actually was funded by, in part, the industry uh, wow. in a in a collaboration with Colorado's Department of Transportation. Uh, but yes, they have to bring uh, tests that uh, do not infringe on our civil liberties, uh, but also can accurately ascertain whether you are under the influence. The fact of the matter is, a good portion of Colorado's population probably has more than an acceptable level, if you're talking about per se, I mean, of active milligrams of THC yeah. coursing through your system. But it's fascinating because I tend to agree, Brandon. I've heard some very, very powerful thinkers in our industry that suggests that they actually drive better under the influence of cannabis. And I kind of scratch my head and say, couldn't really be sincere in that statement. Yeah, that's but crazy. at the end of the day, I mean, to each their own, uh, uh, just like I wouldn't want somebody under the influence of alcohol or opiates, I wouldn't want somebody under the influence of cannabis uh, on my highways. I have a 15-year-old daughter that just recently received her 
driver's permit. And there is nobody that is more important in this world than her. And so it's an exciting and a scary moment. Oh my altogether. goodness! I might have to embrace marijuana more when I'm in the passenger seat. It's <laughs> 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 becoming more and more frequent these days. <laughs> well said. So you touched on t uh, testing a little bit on roadside, but I'm curious. Uh, you talked about sort of your duty as a manufacturer mm -hmm. to bring good products to market, right? How are you testing these? You know, how are you ensuring that what I get is safe, but also just the right dosage that I that I bought? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, testing has been uh, literally uh, a founding uh, principle of our company. I mean, we have been testing marijuana now for as long as that medical marijuana testing facilities were afforded to us as an industry, which dates back to, I think, 2010, sort of late 2010 which was incredibly expensive, Brandon, because these testing platforms were not uh, highly uh, scalable, and so they were incredibly expensive. An uh, HPLC MS, which is high-pressure liquid chromatography mass spectrum, that's a mouthful, if you will, uh, is what you Not like David Lamp. Mm, yeah, it's the test. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, we have great testing facilities like Steep Hill, if you will. And so um, before, you know, it was just GC gas chromatography, and that was not suitable for us as a manufacturer. But... You know, all of our products we uh, advertise as triple lab tested. Uh, the reality is most of them are tested no less than five times. We just think triple lab tested sounds better sounds than good. five times tested. <laughs> uh, maybe a little uh, over uh, or redundant, if you will. And so, uh, but, you know, testing for molds, mildews, pesticides is something more recent. Uh, but certainly making sure uh, that these products are accurately dosed. And so what we call the min-max variants. We as a manufacturer want to make sure that if we advertise that this product is going to be 10 milligrams, that it's not 50 because if you have uh, to get to work the next day or the school, uh, children to school, we want to make sure you're able to achieve that goal. But equally, if not more importantly, we do not want to defraud you as, as a customer. And so in many cases, certainly in California and even recently in Colorado, um, you know, we had these blind tastes, uh, excuse me, these blind tests. Uh, and, you know, in many cases and including uh, I'm willing to admit, in our case, it was alleged that we were underdosing our products. Now, I can tell you, in every single batch that we uh, bring to market, we have generally this product tested no less than three times, and more importantly, what we call peer review testing. Mm -hmm. And so we'll send to two different labs the exact same sample. And if we see a variance, then we're really going to dig into it. And I'm not suggesting that um, there was any mal uh, or ill will uh, or maliciousness, but Testing is a real hot topic, and so you have to make sure that a facility, I'll use an example of Steep Hill, is, is really certified. And ultimately, what we want as a manufacturer, and this is a little bit technical, but we have the ability to take these products, if you will, to what is called an ISO 17025 lab, which is the highest level of chemical analysis that the country offers okay. uh, manufacturers and, and, and certainly the end user consumer. Uh, so we don't have that yet. Uh, but we will get there. I think ultimately these products that we're manufacturing will ultimately be embraced by the FDA. It's a little nerve-wracking, but we've been doing it for four years. We welcome that opportunity. I think it will really separate sort of the, the wheat from the chaff, though, as we move on as, 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 as an industry. And so people are going to really have to understand they're going to have to step up their game and their cost uh, or the modeling potentially, their cost of goods sold, is probably going to be impacted dramatically. And you talked about kind of the most elite level of testing lab, right? Mm -hmm. So what would like a steep hill need to do to get to that level? Or it's just not offered. Today yeah, it's not it's offered. Not offered. I mean, they don't have that level okay. of certification as I understand it. Yeah. Uh, these rules, these laws are evolving uh, at rapid pace. Again, I would defer to medical testing facilities or adult use uh, facilities like uh, we have in, 
in Colorado. I think what you're seeing is best of breed operators operating in that traditional testing space, i.e. in the ISO certification space that are now looking at marijuana as a real vertical that they can embrace. And so you're having all of that intellectual horsepower migrate from that of traditional testing to that of uh, medical marijuana or adult use marijuana testing. And so I think that's accretive, if you will, of value to our industry. Um, but, you know, I would imagine it represents probably uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of investment, CapEx, if you will, capital expenditure associated with equipment, um, the, uh, the intellect, if you will, being able to attract, you know, scientists, chemists. Recruiting and yeah, hiring. Exactly. Yeah. Similar to what we've gone through as an industry. I mean, five years ago, Brandon and I had, you know, two guys in a 400 square foot woodshed. Uh, my payroll I could probably carry in my pocket on any given day. Today I have 70 professionals, if you will, team members, including PhD, food scientists, biochemists, mechanical engineers, um, highly uh, sought after security professionals, um, you know, accountants, CPAs. All this represents hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in payroll. Uh, but we've been able to grow with the industry, and so we keep reinvesting those dollars, that profit. I think there's a misconception, you know, that you know that I'm lighting cigars with $100 bills. Uh, maybe I did that in my foolish youth, uh, but I can assure you that is not the case anymore because every single dollar, uh, if you will, of profit is generally reinvested. Um, and uh, But it's exciting because I think it represents an even greater opportunity uh, down the road for that return. Well, the mark of a truly good CEO is to hire people smarter than them, right? <laughs> You're still in my line. I, I said it today, I think, uh, on, a, on, a, on a car ride over. I said, you know, I'm not uh, notorious for being hyper-intelligent, but I'm certainly smart enough to surround myself with intelligent people. And uh, I know that's a little bit self-deprecating, but I really mean it with a level of sincerity. I mean, I'm in awe on occasion uh, when I walk through my offices and I see uh, the pace in which we're operating we, I want to emphasize, Brandon, this has never been done before. And so when I sit down with uh, Andrew D'Angelo and we look back and reflect at the last four years, I mean, it wasn't because we didn't want to do business together or even most recently right down the street in Grassroots, which is a dispensary that's been in the city of San Francisco for 10 years. I mean, I mean he was explaining to me the highly regulated environment uh, that San Francisco offers, which I'm proud uh, to be here in the city. Um, but it requires a tremendous amount of effort, that intellect, if you will, that horsepower, as I call it. And today, Dixie has it. Uh, it's incredibly exciting to, to watch my team members, really watch my company thrive. And I think, you know, embarrassingly, so many people associated Dixie with Trip Kieber and Trip Kieber with Dixie, but it, it's so much bigger than that. And so, again, whether it be a, a silly magazine cover or an interesting interview like this, I, I, I sit in this chair representing not only the 70 plus team members I have, but you know the hundreds if not thousands of other entrepreneurs across the country that might be fortunate enough to be on that magazine or, or sitting in this fabulous production studio. You want to hire me? That's, a, that's pretty compelling, man. I have a lot of jobs, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's hey, We hear it from um, from valets to... I'm just um, kidding on Fleet Holla. Don't worry. I'm not leaving. Uh, we, uh, uh, you see people flooding into the cannabis industry and um, I'm people that have far more impressive CVs, resumes than I, uh, professional backgrounds, uh, experience. Yeah, but you had the vision, man. Well, I think I could probably about. be accused of uh, delusional confidence. Uh, I'm not sure. But that's you have a, to be, right? That's a, uh, an asset or a liability. It's probably both. But yes, you absolutely have to be yeah. 
supremely confident. And uh, there isn't a day that I don't wake up, Brandon, where I'm not uh, just so damn excited to be in this mm. industry. There's no day mm. that is unique. Mm. Uh, and it's really uh, exciting to be here. Yeah. So what's next for you guys? Is a new product line coming out? I mean, we talked about the mints a little bit. What, what's next for Dixie? Yeah, so Dixie Brands, which is my parent company, of which I'm uh, chairman and CEO of, is that of a brands company. And so we're an intellectual property house that is uh, either uh, inventing or identifying brands that exist and bringing those to market more effectively and more efficiently. Um, just recently, earlier this month, right after Labor Day, we launched uh, two new pardon me, wellness lines, one associated with that of human beings, and the other one, which is called Asesso, which is the Greek goddess of health and wellness. Um, and then uh, seemingly more interested to the uh, uh, general population, that of therapists, um, which is a pet wellness platform. And so these are two new companies that I've been diligently uh, promoting over the last uh, uh, three weeks. Uh, a lot of attention being given to that. Wait, so let me get this straight. You started a company to give cannabis to pets? Well, to be very uh, clear, this is not going to get uh, Fido or Fluffy high. Uh, Much to their disappointment, I'm sure. <laughs> right, well, we just don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, listen, I know plenty of people that feed their uh, four-legged companions uh, uh, Xanax, uh, if you will, because they have issues of anxiety uh, or they're stressed or they're aggressive, if you will. Um, and uh, But this is clearly not a product designed to provide any euphoria. This is a whole plant wellness platform derived from industrial hemp, if you will, mm -hmm. um, leveraging CBD, cannabidiol, mm -hmm. um, to alleviate stress or help with uh, anti-itching uh, um, platforms. And then more recently, uh, joint mobility and stability. And, so, and how would it be delivered? Uh, through a granulated formula, so it's served in a Satchet, if you will, it's a foil package and it's designed to be sprinkled over, all, as an example, a dog's kibble, pet food. Um, Can I sprinkle it on my food? Is it safe? <laughs> well, we have one for humans, more oh, right, importantly. Right, right, right. So uh, <laughs> uh, we have uh, wellness, soothe, and calm. And so uh, we have three platforms, delivery systems designed uh, for a human being, but we actually have similar to that an effervescent, so to be mixed in a sports drink or, or a water bottle and shaken. And then we have a spray, an oral mister, uh, which again is designed to take advantage of that, that oral mucosa. Mm -hmm. And so those two delivery systems will be associated with that of Assesso, which is again designed to solve for, um, provide for human beings wellness. And then again, therapist, which is uh, for the pets. Incredibly exciting. And uh, we're really, um, you know, the therapist, uh, the pet wellness industry is a $3.2 billion uh, market alone, just in the U.S. And so uh, that does not include dog toys or dog sure. uh, food, and this is just pet wellness platforms. You've got to get partnerships with like the dog hotels, you know, right? And then We have heard from hundreds and hundreds of people that have an angle. I mean, the pet industry is massive. massive. Is, yeah. I think it's insane, like close to $500 million yeah. are spent on Halloween for pet costumes. Yeah. So uh, who would have thunk? Uh, I think uh, my parents' uh, two dogs um, potentially live better than my siblings and I did as young kids. I say that sort of tongue-in-cheek, but on any given day, I think they're more worried about their pets than they are their children. Uh, yeah, I have a, a well. very wealthy family friend that has decided to pass all of his money on to his dogs. Yeah. 
And we say, why dogs? You know, there's people in the world that need, need food. Dogs. or And he said, I just like dogs. Right. right <laughs> Fair right, enough. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> right. We're an equal opportunity uh, so uh, manufacturer, and uh, we're incredibly excited with just those two companies have to offer. So, uh, you know, uh, there's more of that on the, uh, on the innovation board. And so every single day our team members are either formulating, designing products and delivery systems, um, or our business development people are taking meetings uh, from uh, companies around the globe. I do mean around the globe. Uh, we have some incredibly exciting announcements that we'll make leading up to the National Marijuana Business Conference mm -hmm. in Las Vegas uh, in early November, which will represent um, our, our interest in attacking, addressing the, the global opportunities, the global market. How big can the infused market be? I mean, if it's 50% today, you know, how, how big can it be in a decade or so? Well, I think, I think it's widely known that the, uh, the cannabis market, both uh, white and black, uh, if you will, black market, is about 50 billion, that's five zero billion dollars. And it's important to note, Brandon, again, as I emphasize, that a good portion of the United States population does not use marijuana because it's illegal at right. the federal level. And For so, no other reason than exactly. it's illegal. It's yeah. illegal. I mean, it yeah. seems kind of silly, ironic to me, uh, and that I've probably achieved dozens of uh, federal kingpin statuses, maybe life sentences. I think <laughs> Steve Croft, when I did an interview on 60 Minutes, pointed that out succinctly about three years ago, and I was uh, much smaller than I am today. Thanks, Steve. But, yeah, I mean, I think the reality is, is that who knows, uh, because um, this is a an industry that is accelerating at hyperspeed, I can tell you, you only have to earn a very small chunk of that market to create an incredibly sure. prosperous and profitable company. Sure. And I think, you know, humbly, I think Dixie is well positioned. Um, if you look back to the end of alcohol prohibition, which is December 5th, 1933, I mean, um, you know, dynasties were created. Think of the Kennedys mm -hmm. and their, uh, their bootlegging. Think of the Bronfman family, which owns Seagram's. I mean, these are multi-generational uh, companies, if you will, uh, family dynasties that are worth tens, if not more, billions of dollars. And and I think that's likely going to translate to that of the cannabis industry. I think we need to have that, what we call that federal capitulation. But think of the immense amounts of wealth that are being created today. Yeah. Um, and I'm not suggesting that necessarily Dixie or myself will be one of those dynasties, but I damn I well am I'm going to, oh, thank you, I appreciate it. I can tell you we're going to know who those people are, and you'll probably have the fortune of interviewing them as yeah. time progresses. I'm fortunate enough to talk to fascinating people that have the same interests I do, mm -hmm. and I'm just lucky to do it. But much of that transition into the legal market relies on brand, right? Yes. Right, and which which you've done a fantastic job of building. Thank you. Um, but where does, where does Dixie come from? How did, how did you come <laughs> to that name? Well, you know, I, I credit some, uh, some some guys that I've known for a long time. I mean, I uh, am a um, sort of a, a frustrated developer. Done a lot of things as a serial entrepreneur. One of which was real estate development um, along the Gulf Coast of Alabama. Um, Residential, commercial, primarily commercial resort okay. development. Right. And uh, you know, we're paying homage to the South. Uh, and I had some former ah. team members that uh, were from the South that I aligned and ultimately backed uh, financially to bring what I thought would be an exciting product to market or products to market. Uh, conceptually, the idea was theirs. I didn't know much about a pot soda. Uh, like you just figured that you smoked joints and, you know, right. and that That's was it. it. Yeah. Um, but we had so much more to offer, I believe, as a company. And so Dixie really is designed to pay homage to the South. Technically, I'm a Southerner. I was born in Washington, D.C., which 
if my memory serves me, that is below the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> uh, and so you may not feel like you're in the deep south, but certainly in the south. And so, um, listen, it's, it's, it's a name, I believe, that hopefully one day it will become iconic. I think our, our mark, which is the uh, hieroglyphs, is a, is a powerful mark, a powerful logo, which I credit people far smarter and talented than I. Um, but, you know, we believe that Dixie is the future of cannabis, not because we believe so supremely in our brand, although we do, uh, it's because we believe the future of cannabis is, is oil. Uh, and oil is driving uh, uh, the growth of this industry faster than anybody could have predicted and probably on any given day is comfortable with. And so, uh, we're all holding on to that tiger's tail and we don't want to let go. Is there a mint julep skew? That's kind of what I think of when I think of the no, South. No, but so. we, we, we have had, we have an old-fashioned sarsaparilla. Oh, cool. I don't even know if I know how to spell sarsaparilla. No clue. But it's a delicious product. And we have, uh, uh, I had a product once time called snake oil. Um, yeah. And you think of these guys, these carpet baggers, these guys in these old wagons that used to sell the proverbial elixir of snake oil. My father uh, used to tease me, he said, you know, son, I know you're going to grow up to be a snake oil salesman one day, and boy, was he right. Uh, that product subsequently was retired. Uh, but we do have a lot of fun. I mean, we just recently wrote, uh, launched the, uh, the ridiculously sophisticated toasted rooster. We call it Fear the Rooster, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but this is a 84 milligram dark chocolate, 70% cacao. Wow. Um, we're offering it here in the state of California. It is being received unbelievably well. Yeah. Uh, we've literally distributed in hundreds of facilities now in California. And then just recently last week, uh, the Kraken, uh, the Crispy Kraken, which is that of a milk chocolate uh, platform with uh, crispy rice uh, in it mixed in with other uh, aspects. And so we're really excited what these products have to offer uh, both um, the medical marijuana patient as well as the adult use consumer. I mean, I'm not sure if we could look a doctor in the eye and say we're serving this medical marijuana patient a Crispy Kraken. Uh, but probably neither could a distributor flower who's serving green crack uh, as a strain, right? And so eventually... <laughs> the worst strain, I mean, the best strain and the worst name possible, yeah, right? Jeez. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but I think you're going to see some really interesting products. I mean, I mean, obviously, there's iconic celebrities, uh, whether they be musicians or others, actors. Yeah, there was that TechCrunch Disrupt yesterday, and Snoop Dogg Ooh, was on Lordy, stage. Mary Jane, that's incredibly exciting with yeah. his partner. Uh, I'm fascinated to see what that means. I mean, I see a lot of deal flow, and there is hyper-focus on uh, media, technology, if you will, really creating a brand, if you will, a platform for all marijuana users, yeah. whether they be adult use or, or medical, to come to and really uh, source information and share experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, I mentioned to you earlier, Mass Roots is one of my uh, uh, companies I'm closely aligned with. Is just on a tear, adding thousands and thousands of uh, users on a daily basis. This is a publicly traded company that we hope to be uplisted to the NASDAQ. Uh, you know, it's just, it's really going to be, I think, a darling of Wall Street as we continue to see marijuana going mainstream. Yeah. You mentioned your deal flow. How much angel investing are, are you doing? Um, well, we're notorious for what we call micro-investing. So, you know, uh, anywhere from fifty to $250,000. Uh, well, that's not so micro. That's a... Well, Depends on things relative, right? Uh, you know, I'm no Peter Thiel investing, you know, tens of millions of dollars or whatever he did in privateer, but I'm proud of those guys. I was with Brendan Kennedy last week in New York representing our industry. But, um, you know, we're incredibly uh, frugal, if you will, and we know the power of a dollar, and more importantly, 
we know the power of our brand, both Dixie and I guess myself personally. And so we, when we get behind a company, we can really accelerate their mm. growth. Certainly, mm. we can be a laboratory, if you will, uh, a proverbial guinea pig. Um, and it's incredibly accelerator, exciting. incubator. Those are the words that get used yeah, in this town. Exactly. I mean, uh, I'm incredibly excited to see uh, several of our portfolio companies under Dixie Holdings, which is our our parent, or excuse me, our holding company where we hold a lot of this interest. Um, you're starting to see a lot of those early, early stage investments. Some as far as four years ago. Uh, most recently, uh, Canna Security America just recently went public. They're now on the uh, OTCs, another pink sheet company. CSAX. Um, Dan Williams and his team have done an amazing job really filling a void where ADT, which is the traditional provider of security systems, alarm systems, left and we swept right back in there. And, mm. you know, uh, I'm not sure uh, how confident we were four years ago that we we're going to be on the public market. But, but thank you very much, ADT, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> clearly, uh, a company that when marijuana is legalized at the federal level that APT would likely come back and acquire, right? Okay, yeah. And so uh, if you invest in at X and you sell at 100X, that's what I call a, a good investment. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, well, let's have a little fun. Why, my favorite question, when you go home at the end of the day and there's no more interviews on NBC or CNN or investing in cannabis, you know, all <laughs> the same, all the same tier there, uh, and you go home and you try to relax, you unwind for the day, what do you consume? What are your products? Do you smoke flowers? What, what, do, you, what do you like? Yeah, two things. I have uh, uh, actually uh, two platforms that I was using this weekend. We celebrated a, uh, uh, a Bud Tenders. We have the Secret Society of Bud Tenders, which Dixie is a, an ardent supporter of. We have 700 cannabis professionals uh, from the state of Colorado, um, and we host about 400 of them. I use our uh, Synergy sublingual, so a one-to-one -one ratio, CBD to THC. Um, and I love our vape pen platforms, mm. uh, Dixie Prime Pure, which mm. is just pure uh, cannabis oil. I generally am leveraging uh, a sativa because uh, I appreciate that sort of that euphor euphoric buzz as opposed to a body. Uh, um, those are two products that I'm using often. The Mints is also a, a great platform yeah. because it's low dose. As I said, when I embrace too much marijuana, I have a tendency to get a little Dual bit, strange. Uh, not a belligerent, but uh, difficult to manage, we'll say. All right, all right. <laughs> so um, I like to keep things, as they say, go low, go slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Trip. it's been a real pleasure. Brandon, thank you. Thank you again for being here and uh, spreading the good word. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you, appreciate so it. So you can find Trip uh, at Trip Kieber, two Ps in Trip on Twitter. Uh, Dixie Elixirs is at Dixie Elixirs, just like it sounds. You can find us everywhere. Investing in Cannabis is in the podcast, uh, in the iTunes store under podcasts. We're on YouTube. We're on SoundCloud. I heard my uh, director told us we're growing 10% a week, which is just fantastic. If you're listening to this, if you're watching it, we want to hear from you. Uh, reach out. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't like. Tell us uh, if Trip sucked. Tell us uh, who you want to see on the show next. Uh, anyway, thanks a lot for watching, guys. It's been fun. Until next time, I'll uh, see you later.